Part four, section two of the freedom of the will by Jonathan Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The falseness and inconsistence of that metaphysical notion of action and agency which seems to be generally entertained by the defenders of the armenian doctrine concerning liberty moral agency etc one thing that is made very much a ground of argument and supposed demonstration by armenians in defence of the forementioned principles concerning moral agency virtue vice etc is their metaphysical notion of agency and action they say unless the soul has a self-determining power it has no power of action if its volitions be not caused by itself but are excited and determined by some extrinsic cause they cannot be the soul's own acts and that the soul cannot be active but must be wholly passive in those effects of which it is the subject necessarily and not from its own free determination mr chubb lays the foundation of his scheme of liberty and of his arguments to support it very much in this position that man is an agent and capable of action which doubtless is true but self-determination belongs to his notion of action and is the very essence of it whence he infers that it is impossible for a man to act and be acted upon in the same thing at the same time and that no action can be the effect of the action of another and he insists that a necessary agent or an agent that is necessarily determined to act is a plain contradiction but those are a precarious sort of demonstrations which men build on the meaning that they arbitrarily affix to a word especially when that meaning is abstruse inconsistent and entirely diverse from the original sense of the word in common speech that the meaning of the word action as mr chubb and many others use it is utterly unintelligible and inconsistent is manifest because it belongs to their notion of an action that it is something wherein is no passion or passiveness that is according to their sense of passiveness it is under the power influence or action of no cause and this implies that action has no cause and is no effect for to be an effect implies passiveness or the being subject to the power and action of its cause and yet they hold that the mind's action is the effect of its own determination yea the mind's free and voluntary determination which is the same with free choice so that action is the effect of something preceding even a preceding act of choice and consequently 
in this effect the mind is passive subject to the power and action of the preceding cause which is the foregoing choice and therefore cannot be active so that here we have this contradiction that action is always the effect of foregoing choice and therefore cannot be action because it is passive to the power of that preceding causal choice and the mind cannot be active and passive in the same thing at the same time again they say necessity is utterly inconsistent with action and a necessary action is a contradiction and so their notion of action implies contingence and excludes all necessity and therefore their notion of action implies that it has no necessary dependence on or connection with anything foregoing for such a dependence or connection excludes contingence and implies necessity and yet their notion of action implies necessity and supposes that it is necessary and cannot be contingent for they suppose that whatever is properly called action must be determined by the will and free choice and this is as much as to say that it must be necessary being dependent upon and determined by something foregoing namely a foregoing act of choice again it belongs to their notion of action that it is the beginning of motion or of exertion of power but yet it is implied in their notion of action that it is not the beginning of motion or exertion of power but is consequent and dependent on a preceding exertion of power viz the power of will and choice for they say there is no proper action but what is freely chosen or which is the same thing determined by a foregoing act of free choice but if any of them shall see cause to deny this and say they hold no such thing as that every action is chosen or determined by a foregoing choice but that the very first exertion of will only undetermined by any preceding act is properly called action then i say such a man's notion of action implies necessity for what the mind is the subject of without the determination of its own previous choice it is the subject of necessarily as to any hand that free choice has in the affair and without any ability the mind has to prevent it by any will or election of its own because by the supposition it precludes all previous acts of the will or choice in the case which might prevent it so that it is again in this other way implied in their notion of act that it is both necessary and not necessary again it belongs to their notion of an act that it is no effect of a predetermining bias or preponderation but springs immediately out of indifference and this implies that it cannot be from foregoing choice which is foregoing preponderation if it be not habitual but occasional yet if it causes the act it is truly previous efficacious and determining and yet at the same time it is essential to their notion of the act that it is what the agent is the author freely and voluntarily and that is by previous choice and design 
so that according to their notion of the act considered with regard to its consequences these following things are all essential to it viz that it should be necessary and not necessary that it should be from a cause and no cause that it should be the fruit of choice and design and not the fruit of choice and design that it should be the beginning of motion or exertion and yet consequent on previous exertion that it should be before it is that it should spring immediately out of indifference and equilibrium and yet be the effect of preponderation that it should be self-originated and also have its original from something else that it is what the mind causes itself of its own will and can produce or prevent according to its choice or pleasure and yet what the mind has no power to prevent precluding all previous choice in the affair so that an act according to their metaphysical notion of it is something of which there is no idea it is nothing but a confusion of the mind excited by words without any distinct meaning and is an absolute non-entity and that in two respects one there is nothing in the world that ever was is or can be to answer the things which must belong to its description according to what they suppose to be essential to it and two there neither is nor ever was nor can be any notion or idea to answer the word as they use and explain it for if we should suppose any such notion it would many ways destroy itself but it is impossible any idea or notion should subsist in the mind whose very nature and essence which constitutes it destroys it if some learned philosopher who had been abroad in giving an account of the curious observations he had made in his travels should say he had been in terra del fuego and there had seen an animal which he calls by a certain name that begat and brought forth itself and yet had a sire and dam distinct from itself that it had an appetite and was hungry before it had a being that his master who led him and governed him at his pleasure was always governed by him and driven by him where he pleased that when he moved he always took a step before the first step that he went with his head first and yet always went tail foremost and this though he had neither head nor tail it would be no impudence at all to tell such a traveller though a learned man that he himself had no idea of such an animal as he gave an account of and never had nor ever would have as the aforementioned notion of action is very inconsistent so it is wholly diverse from the original meaning of the word the more usual signification of it in vulgar speech seems to be some motion or exertion of power that is voluntary or that is the effect of the will and is used in the same sense as doing and most commonly it is used to signify outward actions so thinking is often distinguished from acting and desiring and willing from doing besides this more usual and proper signification of the word action there are other ways in which the word is used that are less proper which yet have place in common speech oftentimes it is used to signify some motion or alteration in inanimate things with relation to some object and effect 
so the spring of a watch is said to act upon the chain and wheels the sunbeams to act upon plants and trees and the fire to act upon wood sometimes the word is used to signify motions alterations and exertions of power which are seen in corporeal things considered absolutely especially when these motions seem to arise from some internal cause which is hidden so that they have a greater resemblance of those motions of our bodies which are the effects of natural volition or invisible exertions of will so the fermentation of liquor the operations of the lodestone and of electrical bodies are called the action of these things and sometimes the word action is used to signify the exercise of thought or of will and inclination so meditating loving hating inclining disinclining choosing and refusing may be sometimes called acting though more rarely unless it be by philosophers and metaphysicians than in any of the other senses but the word is never used in vulgar speech for the self-determinate exercise of the will or an exertion of the soul that arises without any necessary connection with any thing foregoing if a man does something voluntarily or as the effect of his choice then in the most proper sense and as the word is most originally and commonly used he is said to act but whether that choice or volition be self-determined or no whether it be connected with a foregoing habitual bias whether it be the certain effect of the strongest motive or some intrinsic cause never comes into consideration in the meaning of the word and if the word action is arbitrarily used by some men otherwise to suit some scheme of metaphysics or morality no argument can reasonably be founded on such an use of this term to prove anything but their own pleasure for divines and philosophers strenuously to urge such arguments as though they were sufficient to support and demonstrate a whole scheme of moral philosophy and divinity is certainly to erect a mighty edifice on the sand or rather on a shadow and though it may now perhaps through custom have become natural for them to use the word in this sense if that may be called a sense or meaning which is inconsistent with itself yet this does not prove that it is agreeable to the natural notions men have of things or that there can be anything in the creation that should answer such a meaning and though they appeal to experience yet the truth is that men are so far from experiencing any such thing that it is impossible for them to have any conception of it if it should be objected that action and passion are doubtless words of a contrary signification but to suppose that the agent in its action is under the power and influence of something intrinsic is to confound action and passion and make them the same thing i answer that action and passion are doubtless as they are sometimes used words of opposite signification 
but not as signifying opposite existences but only opposite relations the words cause and effect are terms of opposite signification but nevertheless if i assert that the same thing may at the same time in different respects and relations be both cause and effect this will not prove that i confound the terms the soul may be both active and passive in the same thing in different respects active with relation to one thing and passive with relation to another the word passion when set in opposition to action or rather activeness is merely a relative it signifies no effect or cause nor any proper existence but is the same with passiveness or a being passive or a being acted upon by something which is a mere relation of a thing to some power or force exerted by some cause producing some effect in it or upon it and action when set properly in opposition to passion or passiveness is no real existence it is not the same with an action but is a mere relation it is the activeness of something on another thing being the opposite relation to the other viz a relation of power or force exerted by some cause towards another thing which is the subject of the effect of that power indeed the word action is frequently used to signify something not merely relative but more absolute and a real existence as when we say an action when the word is not used transitively but absolutely for some motion or exercise of body or mind without any relation to any object or effect and as used thus it is not properly the opposite of passion which ordinarily signifies nothing absolute but merely the relation of being acted upon and therefore if the word action be used in the like relative sense then action and passion are only two contrary relations and it is no absurdity to suppose that contrary relations may belong to the same thing at the same time with respect to different things so to suppose that there are acts of the soul by which a man voluntarily moves and acts upon objects and produces effects which yet themselves are effects of something else and wherein the soul itself is the object of something acting upon and influencing that do not at all confound action and passion the words may nevertheless be properly of opposite signification there may be as true and real a difference between acting and being caused to act though we should suppose the soul to be both in the same volition as there is between living and being quickened or made to live it is no more a contradiction to suppose that action may be the effect of some other cause besides the agent or being that acts than to suppose that life may be the effect of some other cause besides the being that lives what has led men into this inconsistent notion of action when applied to volition as though it were essential to this internal action that the agent should be self-determined in it and that the will should be the cause of it was probably this that according to the sense of mankind and the common use of language it is so with respect to men's external actions which originally and according to the vulgar use and most proper sense of the word 
are called actions men in these are self-directed self-determined and their wills are the cause of the motions of their bodies and external things done so that unless men do them voluntarily and of choice and the action be determined by their antecedent volition it is no action or doing of theirs hence some metaphysicians have been led unwarily but exceeding absurdly to suppose the same concerning volition itself that that also must be determined by the will which is to be determined by antecedent volition as the motion of the body is not considering the contradiction it implies but it is very evident that in the metaphysical distinction between action and passion though long since become common and in general vogue due care has not been taken to conform language to the nature of things or to any distinct clear ideas as it is in innumerable other philosophical metaphysical terms used in these disputes which has occasioned inexpressible difficulty contention error and confusion and thus probably it came to be thought that necessity was inconsistent with action as these terms are applied to volition first these terms action and necessity are changed from their original meaning as signifying external voluntary action and constraint in which meaning they are evidently inconsistent to signify quite other things viz volition itself and certainty of existence and when the change of signification is made care is not taken to make proper allowances and abatements for the difference of sense but still the same things are unwarily attributed to action and necessity in the new meaning of the words which plainly belong to them in their first sense and on this ground maxims are established without any real foundation as though they were the most certain truths and the most evident dictates of reason but however strenuously it is maintained that what is necessary cannot be properly called action and that a necessary action is a contradiction yet it is probable there are few armenian divines who thoroughly tried would stand to these principles they will allow that god is in the highest sense an active being and the highest fountain of life and action and they would not probably deny that what are called god's acts of righteousness holiness and faithfulness are truly and properly god's acts and god is really a holy agent in them and yet i trust they will not deny that god necessarily acts justly and faithfully and that it is impossible for him to act unrighteously and unholily End of part four section two